as we move through this marvelous rhythm of lesson and carol, lesson and carol, my goal in this moment is to briefly point us to a few gospel-rich realities that we find in the lesson just read from Isaiah 11. In our Advent series called Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, we just sung the hymn, we've looked at a number of Old Testament passages, starting with Genesis 49, through Judah's line of descendants, the Messiah will come. And then in Ruth chapter 4, through a foreign widow, a grandson named David will come. And then in 2 Samuel 7, to this David, now king, the Lord promises that his descendants would never fail to rule from a throne over a never-ending kingdom. And today, our last stop is Isaiah 11, before we arrive in Bethlehem on Christmas Eve. It's an interesting time in Israel's history. It's the mid-700s B.C., and the people of God are toward the end of a destructive downward spiral of unfaithfulness and unbelief. And in Isaiah's lifetime, the prophet, the kingdom of Assyria will come from afar in the east and cut down Israel, the tree, and send many of the people off into exile in a foreign land. The tree is now just a stump. It's a reminder of what used to be. It's a reminder of former life. In the 2009 movie Avatar, the military shows up with gunships to destroy the home tree of the Omatakaya clan. It's a devastating moment because the home tree is their home, but more than that, it's their identity. And more than that, it has spiritual significance to this people that date back 10,000 years and In a matter of minutes, it's just a shattered, burning stump. But there's a big difference between that picture of foreign invaders and the picture we get from Isaiah chapter 11 and the imagery of a stump. The real cause was not that an external enemy showed up and ruthlessly cut down the tree. That's actually true in that Assyria was the instrument But the root cause was actually the people of God, the tree that had borne fruit that God had raised up. The people of God, led by the kingly line of David, had cut themselves off from the promises of God. Self-destruction in sin led to the righteous judgment of exile. But God, we say here at Grace Redeemer Church, those are gospel words. That's good news. Through Isaiah, he promises hope. It is dark, and it will be dark for a very long time for the people of God, but light will come. Out of what seems to be a dead stump will come forth a shoot, a sign of newness of life. Verse 1 adds this about Jesse, who is the father of King David. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Isaiah's not saying there's something special about the genetics of this family. He's not saying that this is a super race of people who will come and um, save the planet. These roots will produce fruit. 
because the roots are tapped into the promises of God, which he made to David in last week's passage, 2 Samuel chapter 7. The giver and sustainer of life himself will see that it happens. He is powerful to make it happen, and he is faithful to his promises that it will happen. So as 2020, we might say, mercifully draws to an end in the next 10 days, I have a question for us to consider. Where do you look for fruitfulness, for renewal of hope? It cannot be in a return to normal because the next disruption, even if it's not global and life-altering, it will come, it will throw you off, it will unnormal your normal. That can't be your, your hope of fruitfulness, the, the, the aim of renewal, of vitality. It can't be that the future will be so great that it will make up for a lost year because the next bump in the road or edge of a cliff will come, if not a year from now, or then 15 years from now, and then 50 years from now, because we are fallen creatures who live in a fallen world. That can't be your source of hope. And as much of a blessing as it is, your hope cannot be in the coronavirus vaccine. It would be great if that very good thing in our society is able to knock down the pandemic by the early summertime. We hope that that will be the case, but that is one single battle in a history-long war for souls, and that war will not come to an end until Jesus returns on the last day. The biblical emphasis to us isn't primarily on fruit. The biblical emphasis to us is on our roots. Psalm 1 says about the blessed person, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. The roots are tapped into the water from the nearby stream. The roots have everything that they need and therefore the tree will bear fruit. What are your roots tapped into? What do they feed upon? What do they draw from for passion, for joy, for meaning in life? That's the foundation of your life, regardless of what you say you believe or don't believe. It's your go-to. It's your fallback. It's at the core of your identity. It is revealed by your instinctive thoughts and by what brings you a sense of security. What are your roots tapped into. For some of you, it's your financial statement. It's your net worth. It's, it's those charts you've created and track on a daily basis. And when the chart goes this way, you feel great. When the chart goes down way, you're, you're in the dumps. What are your roots tapped into? For some of you, it's, it's your kid's success or the next leisure adventure that you are dying to get onto once the coast is clear. For some of you, it is how you control what you eat, what goes into your body, what products you buy, how organic and non-GMO and eco-friendly you can live. And for some of you, it is the work you can never let go of, can never put down, can never stop paying attention to, thinking about. What are your roots tapped into? None of you would say 
of those examples or any other, well, that's what my life is all about. I'm all about my work. I live for my kids' success. That's, that is all important to me. Very few of us would say, admit those kinds of truths, but the reality is proven by our thoughts and fears and dreams and actions on a daily basis. And if our roots are tapped into those realities that are passing away that can never satisfy, the result will be that you'll cut yourself off from the umbilical cord of God's promises to produce fruit in you, lasting, meaningful, significant fruit. You will shrivel up and your stump won't produce any vitality. But here is where real Christmas hope comes into play. God made a promise to David that one of his descendants would be the true and lasting and final king. The Messiah would be the shoot. Life from what seems like death, hope from despair, ultimately resurrection from the darkest day of history when the God-man Jesus died on the cross. Here's our last thought from Isaiah 11, verse 1 to Isaiah 11, verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. Isaiah refers to the Messiah as the root of Jesse. And here's the question. How can the shoot that comes out of the stump of Jesse, verse 1, also be the root of Jesse, verse 10. How can something be the result, the fruit, as well as the source, what gives rise to the fruit? Listen to these words in Andrew Peterson's best song on his Christmas album, Labor of Love, speaking of Mary carrying the Messiah. The baby in her womb He was the maker of the moon. He was the author of the faith that could make the mountains move. A child, a descendant of David, was David's maker and therefore David's Lord over hundreds of years. Astounding. This is what Psalm 110 tells us. The shoot, new life, is also the root the source of life. How else can we respond to this King except to believe in Him and to worship Him? Born in a manger, rising from the dead, returning in glory at the end of history. This is Christmas hope. Let's pray. King Jesus, Son of David, Exercise your kingly rule. Make your home in us. Make our hearts our home, we just sung. Produce in us a joyful obedience to you. An utterly dependent faith in your promises. Nothing else will last. Nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else is ultimate reality. Show us your glory this Christmas, King Jesus, we pray. Amen.